<laughs> Why is it always erotic with you, Top Sale? <laughs> no, I, I wanted to do uh, voice acted ERP, like, for a while. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this uh, special episode of the South Fury Watch podcast. We are now on episode number 10, a huge milestone if I do say so myself. We've had nine episodes before this, roughly nine hours of podcasts for everybody to get through. If you've uh, if you stuck through each and every episode, congratulations. I really appreciate it. If you're just joining us now, then welcome to the show. With me here today, I am excited. Uh, we've got a very special guest. Their name is Magora. Magora, how you doing? I'm doing quite well, actually. Doing quite well. Now, are you from Britain or? Uh, by birth, uh, I've been. I haven't been there probably about ten years or so. Uh, it's. I, I very much like my time here in the states. Oh, okay. Now, I mean, you know, we don't have very many, you know, foreigners in the South Prairie Watch, so it's uh, it's interesting to get the outside perspective sometimes, you know. Well, there's a few people in here. That you've got uh, the the one girl from uh, uh, out there in uh, the, the Swedish country, I believe, uh, uh, Rhea. Uh, I believe there are a few other people whom uh, play uh, mostly at night due to their uh, uh, time zone. I um, got. <laughs> Pardon me, I can't remember their names at this time, but uh, there are a few of us. There's a lot of pressure when you're when you're in here to remember things, and yeah, you, oh, you know that you're on the clock, so you can't you can't remember things that under no pressure you would be able to remember, no problem, right? Uh, that is uh, correct. Is that why nobody's uh, done the feat of strength yet? Yeah, that's that's the, that's probably why. You know, when you're under a lot of pressure, and you know that you've got you know ten thousand people listening to you, you know these lore questions. Um, you know, quite a few people have told me that they were sweating in their seats after all was said and done. Um, well, I'll be but, sure to open a window before I start answering questions. <laughs> yeah, definitely a good idea. Um, so again, Magora, good to have you on here. Um, you want to go through a couple of things with you here today. Um, you know, you're not an officer in the South Fury Watch, you're a member, so uh, I'm pretty sure you're the first like actual just member that we're that we're having on here so this is a milestone for a lot of reasons we're getting to hear from the grunts and yeah. also episode number 10 and you know when i was saying foreigner I, I was saying uh you know we don't i mean i was talking more in character you know how the watch doesn't have elves or uh you know exotic races in the in the watch but you know i guess from being outside of the states you know that counts too well, you know, every now and again, we have a few people in here that try to get into the guild who aren't from these parts, uh, so to speak. You know, you get uh, the typical orcs and Tauren, and every now and again you'll get a troll uh, coming through town. And we've had a few more goblins nowadays, including yourself. And uh, I don't have anything against the goblins per se, but uh, I find... Another option tends to be a bit easier. It was, it was a little tricky getting into the guild uh, when I did, but it, I think it's paid off. So you've got a different option. Um, you know what? Magora is an orc, right? 
Megora is actually a half-orc. You see, uh, she is half-orc and half-Draenei. Uh, I've had this uh, interesting character concept in my head for quite some time now. Uh, ever since I read the second Chronicle, I believe, is where they had all the Draenor stuff in it. Is that correct? I haven't read any of them, so... Okay. You know, you would know better than I would. That's fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, see, there, there's a, it's a pretty small entry in there, but it, it's quite detailed about the Bladewind clan, and how they spend most of their time in Terracar, and they came into conflict with the Draenei more than any of the other orc clans, and uh, you know they would take prisoners, and then uh, terrible things would happen, and uh, then there would be half orcs. Uh, Magora is one of these such half orcs. Uh, she lived a hard life. Uh, she did the best she could to fit in uh, at certain times. Um, many things happened to her since then, and now uh, she is uh, another rarity in the South Three Watch, uh, so to speak. Uh, she is a death knight. So, okay, so you've got a lot of stigmas <laughs> working against you here. You're not only a half-breed orc, but you're also an undead. Like, those two things, like, yeah, definitely don't fit into the characteristics of the Washed. I mean, it's probably a good thing that Magora uh, wears their armor and their helmets on all the time, so that way nobody can really know. But, I mean, what are there many physical, uh, you know, uh, indicators, I guess, that Magora would be a half-breed, or is it her skin color, or what? Well, there's a couple things. Um... I don't. I haven't actually explained these in character yet. Uh, I don't think she's ever taken her head off except maybe once with, uh, oh, what's his name, uh, that crazy old bastard from uh, uh, who used to take people on that walk. I can't remember his name. Oh, uh, frog. Yeah, it was frog. Sorry. You're right. Being on this podcast makes you forget things, and uh, I swear it's just a. Uh, there's a long story of frog with between uh, Magor and him, but. Uh, the, when they went to go camping, you know, to get introduced into this uh, guild, uh, she yep. had to take her helmet off. Uh, and uh, I, I can't remember if he noticed or not, but she did bring it up and it seemed to be an okay thing. Uh, but she, um, her skin color is a little different. Uh, yep. She was alive. She had a little bit of a more of a bluish tone to it, you know, kind of like how Dre and I have. Um, she spent a lot of time covering that up and that kind of thing. And I, I, I could go into Gore's backstory for a while, but there's some things I don't think would be appropriate to bring up on the podcast and it, before role-playing add out with somebody else. Okay. Um, but right now, it, it's a little bit different from that. You see, after she died, um, her skin color changed a little bit. It's a little bit more of a darker color to it. kind of matches a little bit more with, like, the grayish tones you can kind of see in some orcs. So it doesn't really match so – it, it, seeing that kind of stuff doesn't really matter so much to her. So, like, if you catch her without, like, a, like – without a piece of armor missing or something, you don't immediately, you know, click to it because she's got, you know, different color of skin or something because, you know, she's undead. Maybe that's just how they are. Um, but, you know, and the same thing uh, with their eyes, you know, kind of got that glowing eye thing going, you know, but again, yeah. that could be an undead thing. Um, the the biggest thing uh, is her ears are a little bit different shape yeah. than the regular orcs would be. Uh, and she's also got these scars going all the way around her 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 jawline, you know, around her neck, where she uh, previously had removed her uh, tentacles. They, she cut them off. Cut them off with a knife. Do female Draenei have tentacles? They do. They have they them do. all around. It, it's more, it's not like a, 
they don't have them like beards or nothing, but they do have them. It's more around like the ears, that kind of thing. Okay. But being a crossbreed, I imagine some different kind of, maybe something got a little mixed up in there. Right. You know, okay, so you are an orc, drain eye, undead, like triple threat here. Um, that, like, okay, and, you know, no offense here, but, like, I, I'm sure that people would listen to that and be like, wow, this dude is a fucking snowflake. Um, <laughs> you know, like, kind of like, kind of like a, a dragon role player. I mean, you know, the last time I saw a dragon role player, thank God, was when I was on Alliance, uh, like, you know, back in Cataclysm years ago. Um, and I'm sure that they still exist, That, but people kind of, like, got over, like, you know, letting people know publicly that they were dragons. Um, it's like, uh, isn't a Greya like a, like a dragon or something? Isn't that the joke? She's like a black well, dragon or something? Well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna out them on that, you know, especially right, since they're, enough. they're not here That's to cool. defend That's themselves. Cool, I mean, they, you know, they could be, they could be, but I don't know. Uh, neither no, can I I totally get what you're saying here about like her sounding like some kind of unique snowflake thing and like a Mary Sue kind of thing. But and I was a bit hesitant to play this character because of that. But, uh, you know, I think it's role played well. Uh, I try not to go too far with it. it it's mostly, uh, I mean, really when I'm role playing with people, they don't even notice that she's like a half orc or anything like that. And that's kind of the way I want to play it. You know, like, yeah, you know, it's part, it informs the character rather than is the character. You know, if McGraw went around talking to everybody and saying that she was like, some kind of half orc all the time it would probably be like a huge like turn off but uh i mean truth be told she doesn't really say a whole lot anyway does she i guess not not a not a ton i mean you know you're you're sparse not sparsely at events but you're you're not always there uh and you know that again that's not me saying anything bad but you know you're you're kind of choosy when you come to events so we get kind of like a tasteful dose of magora every now and then yeah, that's um, the thing. I mean, I don't want to overload people with Megora because, I mean, everything you just said, basically. Uh, and she's not much of a talker. I mean, I'll be honest. I like playing Megora. I like role-playing with people. When it comes to, like, bigger groups or something like that, it's it's kind of hard to do uh, because she doesn't – she's a very internalized character. You know, things that she does or she thinks, you know, it's not stuff that's going to be revealed to people unless maybe to get on a one-on-one, you know, kind of thing. And that doesn't usually happen because of, you know, my work schedule or my my willingness to play retail. Wow. Um, Tends to fade uh, quickly. Do you write a lot of short stories or anything like that to give people's perspective on her or give uh, her perspective on things i have in the past and I, i've written things and i haven't posted them uh at certain times i just don't feel comfortable with them like they don't seem like good stories uh there was one i posted a while back um where uh we were doing some kind of ashen veil thing uh this is before uh bfa and um she had been separated from the group or she wandered off um basically to feed you know you know death knights have that thing where they basically feed on pain and misery and she just basically went off into the woods and just started like hacking night elves to pieces and doing not great things uh and that's what the short story is about um, oh, okay. basically show where Megora went you know sure well and a that's a that's a very like personal thing i'm sure for you know those characters or your character you know uh, with death knights you know needing to almost kind of having like this vampiric need to kill people, I guess, to basically, I mean, turn Lich out King, the rage. The Lich King made 
death knights to be like one man armies made them be killing machines um uh, near unstoppable killing machines is what death knights are supposed to be um and i think one of the greatest challenges when it comes to role playing a death knight correctly is to do that like have this character who was somebody before they were a death knight and is now trying to maybe fit back into society after having these things happen you know it's kind of like um you know somebody has a tragedy happen to them or you know i'm not going to go into details on that but you know something happens to them um whether they go through a war or or, or something else but maybe some more personal where they have difficulty interacting back with society again and that's that's what i've been trying to do with magora for a while now i think she's softened up from how she used to be um I think a few people in the guild would recognize that who have been around for a while. I know there are a lot of new people who maybe not see that, but the, she's a very long-term character. Sure. No, and you know, I mean, I'm glad you say that because especially with Death Knights or Demon Hunters, you know, those two classes to play them um, as characters, most likely, you know, Death putting out your eyes, drinking demon blood, whatever mm-hmm. it is, those aren't things that don't take a toll on the policy or on your, on your person. And so, um, you know, in order to play those effectively, being able to show how your character copes with that is definitely very important. And right. You know, there's varying degrees as to how people show that. Um, and you know, it, I'm glad that it's not like, you know, the focal point perhaps of your character. Um, but it's like an important aspect because well, I'm not going yeah. around saying woe is me and all that. And that's right. not a fun character to interact with somebody who's just super depressed all the time or somebody who's just like going through PTSD all the time. Again, well, very internalized with those kinds of things. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times when people roll death knights or demon hunters, they might, you know, stick with that um, dimension and, you know, kind of have that be a dominant factor with their role play. Whereas, you know, like with any other character, being one-dimensional is not a good thing. So having other aspects, too, is important. I mean, typically, I have uh, I think uh, Cass has laughed at this a couple times, but in my uh, character description, I have that she is actually really an Ice, uh, a Death Knight Icely because there's so many people that play, like, Death Knight characters that aren't Death Knights. You know, they're, like, sure. rune lords or... or, or or high elves or something like that. And, you know, fair enough. But I, I feel like it's a missed opportunity when you, when you play a death knight to actually play a death knight, you know, you, it's such an interesting story and such an interesting way to have a character, it, but you're right. It's also very hard. And I think that might be why a lot of people don't do it. Yeah. I mean, death knights definitely have one of the cooler stories and wow, especially in Legion being able to be the death Lord Mm-hmm. and the class hall campaign was so much better than the hunter one than the warrior one than the shaman one just i think the death knight one was the best out of all yeah them. without a doubt i mean the demon hunter one was good but the expansion was was about them yeah you know the the death knight one was just so cool i mean being like I, the that that final scenario there where you're going where you raid the paladin one and like are fucking killing everybody there and then you know uh what's her face liadrin's just like you know you're a monster and then i think yeah doesn't darian say like you know without monsters there can't be heroes like so edgy but also just like so good (laughs) yeah yeah death knights can be a bit edgy (laughs) yeah but you know like, like we're saying with a tasteful amount of them you know it's not like overbearing you know and it's 
it's it's good so yeah death knights are really cool and yeah doesn't doesn't danto kind of do that he's um he's a death knight but he's kind of a a hex lord or something yeah he does that he's a, a hex lord kind of thing um necromancer yeah i mean that's trolls have that and that's not expressed anywhere else in the game the only way you can really do that is through a death knight kind of class and that's i mean it's fine again like i said i don't begrudge anybody that has a death knight tune that doesn't play a death knight but plays it something else because it, it does open up a lot more opportunities that other classes don't have um but yeah it, i guess it's like a personal thing a personal preference where it's like death knights have so much potential for roleplay that when you don't take up that potential and you do something with it i just feel a little uh, i feel like it's a missed opportunity yeah so your character is a death knight they're a half breed how how do you make the most of those opportunities in your role play then like why are those two things integral to your character well uh i started with the the half-breed thing again from reading the chronicle uh, reading that just kind of like clicked something in my mind I had like an epiphany on how i can make a character and I, I i realized that i wanted to have somebody who was treated rather unfairly by orcs but wanted to live as an orc you know somebody who uh, i, I want to compare it a little bit to wharf from next gen uh star trek next generation for those who don't know um where Worf is essentially raised by humans, um, but he idolizes the the Klingon way of honor uh, in a way that no other Klingon actually represents. You know, oftentimes they have stories with Worf where he goes in and he is a very honorable Klingon where he's surrounded by Klingons who are not, and that the majority are not honorable. You know, he suffers because of this. Um, so I want to have a character that was similar to that in the sense that they uh, were... Uh, well, Magora's the thing I've given Magora for a little title is, you know, the thrice shamed, where it's like she's first shame is that she is a half orc. You know, that is shameful potentially in, in orca society, you know, having that happen. Um, there have been many examples of this. You know, the, the biggest example, of course, is uh, God, you're fucking right about this podcast, just making me forget things. Um, no worries. The famous half orc that everybody knows that I Landtrusser. No, <laughs> not Landtrusser. Landtrusser uh, of the Blade isn't a half orc. He is a half orc, but he's not the one I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Um, the Garona. Oh, fucking hell! How did I forget for? Oh, Garona. okay. Jesus yeah. Christ! Yeah, I'm Garona, a female half orc. How the fuck do I forget the other female half orc? Anyway, <laughs> um, there. Anytime you see like Garona interacting with just like regular orcs or like something happening, it's always like everybody's always like shitting on her for being a half orc you know you know because there's you know, the, the stigma of like you're weaker you're mixed with like a weaker breed you're mixed with like the draenei you know like you are not a true orc those kinds of things so um i wanted her to have that first where she has basically been shit on her whole life had horrible things happen to her um and then i wanted her to you know basically then try to prove them wrong 
by trying to live like a proper work that shows she does have strength, that she she is honorable. You know, she has these things, you know, in, in her backstory, she joined the first horde. You know, she she had, you know, a mask and all this kinds of suits. So nobody really knew she was a half orc at the time, you know, and she participated in many raids, she participated in many battles. She helped fight in the, the first battle of Stormwind, that kind of thing, uh, went all the way up through to the second war. And then uh, when the second, when technically the second horde was defeated and captured and put into camps, Mogoro was fined out. You know, because they, they're not going to let her wear a fucking mask and shit in the prison camp. And they took no. it off. All the other orcs realized what she was, and they realized that she was lying. You know, that she wasn't who she was. She wasn't anything like she was. And that is her, you know, the second shame right there, where she didn't, by trying to live honorably, by trying to be an orc, but by lying to do so, she shamed herself. And there you go, the second shame. Uh, right. Third one is when Thrall was, uh, well, when Thrall was uh, liberating the camps, um, Magora finally just you know had given up. She didn't want to go with the horde. She didn't want anything to do with the horde at this point. So she kind of went off on her own and just kind of lived like a like a basically like a bandit in the Lordaeron woods. Uh, and then the scourge happened, and. Uh, you know, she she survived as best she could uh, amongst those situations and that kind of those circumstances with the, the scourge fucking everything up and blighting the land and all that. But um, mm. eventually her own luck cut off with her and she got killed by a, a death knight and then later risen as one of their own, um, you know, having fallen in battle, but not able to move on, you know, being risen after having died honorably, you know, that's not wow. very good. That's the, the third shame. So there you go. That's uh so that is the backstory of Magora without going into any more details. Right. So yeah, very tragic backstory then. I mean, you know, being born as an outcast and then trying to build yourself up as a member of, you know, a respected society only for people to find out the bitter truth and then to get killed on top of it. All kind of within not a very long time. I mean, you know, the number of years between the first and second war, I don't know how long that was. Uh, but, you know, that that's uh, those are some pretty shitty things to happen all within a short period of time. Do you think, and, you know, I know that not everybody has, like, character arcs for their characters for every specific expansion or, you know, maybe not role-playing with a specific direction, just kind of taking things as they come. Does Magora kind of like take that all personally? Is she a darker person now because of that, or is she still hopeful? Well, this is where we get into the Death Knight thing. Yeah. Uh, Death Knights, when they're risen, are basically tested to see if they have, you know, some kind of lingering emotion, or if they're too emotional, that kind of thing, then they're just fucking killed. Um, when by the time Magora was re risen, that had basically been kind of more or less beaten out of her like she'd already kind of given up to begin with and then she was further defeated and humiliated by having this stuff happen to her she's kind of she kind of let go at that time um it wasn't until you know the the first battle for light's hope and all that happened where she kind of like turned around and she was told like you know go to the horde you know figure out what the horde wants and she she, she goes with the other knights to the horde to kind of like settle in and figure things out and kind of like do that and um it wasn't until she started interacting with the Horde again that she, you know, had a little bit of that spark come back in her where she uh, realizes that maybe she had, like, another chance, like, to do something. Uh, where it's like, you know, she did not succeed 
the first time around to live as mm. a, an honorable work, uh, or even to die as an honorable work. She was risen forcibly. Um, and then now there's a chance for her to maybe make up for these past mistakes, these past wrongdoings that have happened to her. Um, yeah, but it's not such a, a passionate thing as it was before. She's not going above and beyond about it, but she's just trying to be more, uh, on her own, more honorable, you know, more of a, of a true work as she sees it. Um, she still has lingering feelings about the Draenei. Um, we haven't interacted with Draenei more often than not. <laughs> you know, believe it or not, Draenei don't come to the Barrens a whole lot. Yeah, believe it or not, yeah. Yeah. So there hasn't been much opportunity to explore that kind of thing. But uh, I would say that um, she would still kind of resent her mother for having been so weak to have been captured and have these horrible things happen to her and to, you know, to not be able to protect her from certain things. Um, there's that aspect of her character. Um, mostly the stuff we've seen in game has been, uh, with Vrog actually bringing Vrog up again, um, where he was not the nicest person, not very honorable, at least not in Magora's eyes. And because of that, she and him came to blows many times, um, you know, fist fighting, you know, no, no true Magora, but definitely some brawls, uh, some honorable duels, but not a duel to the death so to speak right um uh of which she won both of them fuck you Vrog. <laughs> <laughs> um but that being said that the second time we had that was because uh there was a, a campaign where we were fighting certain things uh, yeah yeah i won't go into too much details but there's a lot of dead members of the horde uh and there's a few dead members of south fury and you know the some were treated better than others uh Vrog starts spitting on like a lot of the dead orcs, you know, who fought and died in battle honorably. And then Magora took major issue with that. And that's how they came to do their, their second duel. Um, and I, I, hopefully something came from that, but uh, that was about the time where I had some certain things going on. So I wasn't able to play much right after that. Um, right. But uh, that, that's some of the stuff that's happened in the game. I see. Yeah. I'll have to have Rog on here to kind of defend himself a little bit, but you know, <laughs> Please do. Rog's a cool guy. Yeah. Um, okay, so, you know, things are kind of looking a little up for Mogora. At least they're not looking down. That's good. Um, yeah, you don't see a lot of undead orcs. But, you know, given the nature of the Horde, how we have both orcs and undead who aren't Death Knights, you know, I, I guess I'm curious. Do you, do you think that Mogora more strongly identifies with orcs nowadays or maybe now a little bit more with Forsaken, especially with Sylvanas as the war chief? I would say she identifies more with the orcs because she still considers herself an orc and not, uh, she's undead. She's not under any kind of delusions or anything like that. You know, she was retrained to basically how to fight uh, in the, the style of the Scourge by the Scourge, you know, in, uh, in one of their citadels, those kinds of things. Um, mm -hmm. And the Forsaken, it's interesting. We can talk about the Forsaken, too. Um, but she doesn't identify the Forsaken. The Forsaken are basically the people she was fighting when she was alive. The Forsaken are the fallen citizens of Lordaeron, and that's who she was fucking fighting before. Uh, you know, when she was part of the, the first and second hordes. So she's not real cool with them. Um, 
she, as far as Sylvanas goes, she kind of respects Sylvanas's approach to things because uh, Magora, in addition to being you know everything I just said, is also kind of a more um, hard-edged orc, so to speak. You know, she's honorable and all that, but she, when Garrosh came around, she sided more with Garrosh than anybody else because it was like yeah, we should have that land. We should have those resources. We shouldn't just sit around on our ass and just kind of repent for something that happened ages ago. You know, you know, it's nice and everything. We're trying to repent from all the demon stuff that Gul'dan and the, and the Black Council that started up. But, you know, we've got a lot of people who are alive now that had nothing to do with that. And should they suffer because of that? So she's very much with Garrosh and just trying to, like, crush our enemies and secure... Uh, land and resources for the horde gotcha okay so, now were you were you playing an orc sorry but were you playing an orc back in mr pandaria i was not uh i was playing a worgen at that time i did a lot of gilnea stuff back then you were playing a freaking worgen back in Mop? i was a worgen warlock in mr pandaria i was were you um, of the gray hand you weren't a member of the uh what's that guild the something of gilnea's or, I was oh, on Moonguard. Oh, you were on Moonguard. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, because I used to have a character in a Gilnean guild way back in the day. I was not a uh, worgen. I was a human who played a Gilnean. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I've i been pretty vocal about my dislike about worgen, so I won't go too much into that. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, So, anyways, I did want to talk, though. Was so, it a three-hour podcast? That's right. It was a three-hour podcast? This thing? Yeah, three-hour <laughs> podcast. Okay. Uh, um, so, all right, so orcs back in Mr. Pandaria. Mm-hmm. Um, so Magora kind of agrees with Garrosh. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, like, the the orc toxicity at that time. <laughs> um, just a little bit. Um, because, you know, things things got a little virulent um, or, you know, vile or, or toxic, I guess. I blame Blizzard a little bit. Um, you know, the quest revamp and, and Cataclysm. While it was pretty good across the board, also gave us uh, a perspective on a pretty different side of orcs than what we had seen up to them, uh, up to then. Yeah, well, at least in World of Warcraft, we we are basically seeing how they used to be. You know, right. when orcs were very conquest driven, this is how they were. When, when exactly Garage, the the argument back in the day was, you know, everybody didn't like it. I say everybody. There's a lot of vocal people who didn't like Garrosh because he was too aggressive and he wasn't like Thrall. But there was like the argument against that was, you know, Thrall was raised by humans. He has human ideals. Uh, Thrall is actually Worf. <laughs> Going back to that, Thrall is Worf. He's raised by humans, but he wants to live by orcish ideals. Uh, right. But he's not, he doesn't treat everything like an orc would. Uh, Garrosh is a orc war chief. He is sure. how the other orc chiefs were. And. Mm-hmm. I mean, it didn't match up with a lot of the, the allies of the Horde. And he got suckered in and tricked a lot of times. Um, but he was every bit the Orc War Chief that an Orc War Chief would typically be. I will say that the best version of Garrosh was the Stone Talon Garrosh. And then oh my God, yeah. up everything. Well, right. So supposedly there was the, the missed memo. Um, but, you know, there's some context around to kind of support his his journey i mean one of my favorite quests 
that I think really just sets the stage for an orc's journey all through World of Warcraft. You know, it, it's a quest that's in Duratar. It's right outside the gates where you've got this like one Zug Zug orc, and then you've got this like other sage person, and you accept the quest from the sage person, and then the other guy, the Zug Zug person, he's just like, oh, don't listen to him, player. Uh, you know, we're strong and we're badass, and we don't need to listen to his conventional wisdom. You know, we're Hell Screams Horde, and you know, no one can stop us, and all this stuff. And, um, you know, I think that just real like that conversation there for me, I was like, wow, that really, you know, kind of sets the stage for, um, you know, as a player going through it, thinking like, wow, you know, this old horde is obviously getting radically changed into Garrosh's horde. And you see that in all the different quests. I mean, especially in Stone Talon with Kromgar, you know, even though Garrosh executes him, you know, he's, he bombs the Druid camp, he's ruthless. And then you've got Blood Hilt down in the Southern Barrens, um, you know, ex- throwing that guy off the top of the tower. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that because in context of kind of like orc toxicity and MLP with the role play, now that we have Forsaken on top, so to speak, do you think that there's going to be a similar thing happening when maybe some conflict breaks out between the Horde and Sylvanas? Uh, potentially. Um, I see, I've, uh, I think I talked about this with you uh, another time, but the, what you're talking about with the orcs has already happened with the Forsaken. Uh, the Forsaken used to be, uh, again, going Back to what I said earlier, they were the fallen citizens of Lordaeron who had a tragic event happen to them. You know, they were infected by this plague of undeath that was given to them by from from within their own citizenry. You know, the the cult of the damned was people from Lordaeron. Um, hmm. They they all died. They were betrayed by their prince, who killed their king, his father, and they were all risen again against their will, and they were forced to do things and were mindless. It wasn't until Sylvanas came around and started releasing them and started giving them back their free will that they were able to band together and make make better of a bad situation. You know, uh, playing through Classic again, I'm seeing it all over again, where all the quests you're doing with the Forsaken are all like, you know, like, you know, we got to stick together. You know, we've had some bad shit happen, but, you know, we're, we're Lordaeronians. You know, we, we can pull through this. We'll be okay. And then you get the random odd mad scientist quest every now and again, uh, because that's, you know, they're trying to make the plague and all that. But you know, ultimately, it was all just a bunch of people trying to get together and make good of a bad situation. Since Cataclysm came around and Sylvanas started just resin any old bastard she kills, um, that has changed. It's not all the same people anymore. You know, you get people who the Forsaken killed in combat now joining them, joining their ranks and going through the storyline, you know, they only accept the people who accept the undeath and want to join. But what kind of person would want that? (laughs) It's like I got killed one day and then my killer reses me from the grave as an undead zombie and says, Hey, guess what? Now you can come join me on my quest. I would tell him to fuck off. (laughs) I'd do what red path did and just run off on my own. Maybe so I'm going to start like, my own Forsaken, right? Basically. So it's like it. the Forsaken is no longer this group of like-minded people who all had a similar situation or all trying to band together and all this a shared history, basically. They're now got a bunch of people coming in who aren't of 
they're not from the same place they are. They're not at the same mind as they are. They, you know, maybe they're a little bit crazier because they're choosing to join the Forsaken rather than being, you know, rather than being part of the Forsaken because, you know, a bad situation, you know. And so I think that's why now with Cataclysm, you see less of those quests and more of the mad scientist crazy quests. Um, right. Also because Blizzard ain't the best at writing. But the, the, the Forsaken are now definitely more extreme than they used to be. Uh, and I, I think that's what happened with the Orcs. Um, and I think now we're just reaching that peak with the Forsaken where that is, it'll all come tumbling down. Uh, soon enough, just like I did with Garrosh. Yeah, and Sylvanas has kind of had a similar path, I suppose. I mean, hers is a little more understandable because after the Lich King is defeated, she tries to fucking commit suicide. Yeah, and you know, like, and I'm sure that if she did, and all the rest of the Forsaken probably would have died out soon after, just like, you know our main reason for living or existing i should say was to destroy arthas and we you know we did that so like let me rest in peace now but then they you know she finds out and i'm assuming that they would too that there's there's nothing waiting for them on the other side that resembles peace and so they resolve to kind of exist on and in knowing that you know, especially where they compromised themselves in, in Wrath of the Lich King with uh, the Wrathgate incident, um, and then you know, like earned the mass distrust of a lot of people. You know, the only option that they have going forward is to you know more forcibly make this world for themselves. So I kind of understand why Sylvanas does or why she did what she did in Cataclysm. Well, but, yeah, it's because it's the same reason she gave in game was, you know, every time you kill a member of the Forsaken, there isn't a baby Forsaken waiting to grow up to take up their place. You know, exactly. the race will just get whittled down on and on. From a practical standpoint, I understand that. Um, but again, it, same thing I just said, you're, you're refilling those ranks with people who have different mindsets to the people who were there originally so of course you're going to have a different forsaken than how it used to be remember forsaken are not a race they're basically a faction you can be they're just a bunch of undead so when you have a bunch of new people in the faction things are going to be different just like uh with the orcs back to your point again with the orcs um i think the reason garrosh got a lot of support and why that thing those things were allowed to happen were because a lot of the older orcs who were around with the the old horde and recognized all the bad things that they did and were trying to atone for it were dying off and the the orcs who were younger and the newer generation or maybe born uh in azeroth or even born in duratar were growing up and saying like hey why do i have to live in this shithole red desert place why can't i get a fucking house in Ashenvale? and it's like right. because because thrall says no is basically what they were told. Yeah. And here comes Garrosh around saying like, yeah, we're just going to fucking take those trees because we need them. You're not doing anything with them. We're just going to take them. Yeah. Uh, fucking, you know, high priest thrall over here says we have to, you know, atone for our sins. What sins, bitch? I want to have a chicken and, you know, a nice house <laughs> and, you know, all this shit. <laughs> so, I'm sick yeah. of pork. I want to raise chickens. Yeah, right. <laughs> I've been living off of fucking bacon for the last 10 years and I'm sick of it. Like, probably something that nobody in their right mind would ever say. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, that's understandable. Um, and, you know, for the Forsaken, too, you know, they want to build a better life for themselves. But, yeah, to your point, you've got 
you know different minds now joining in um yeah and then forsaken aren't necessarily i mean their leader is an elf so they're not necessarily you know just dead humans they're dead a lot of things yeah how they're they're dead things that are stitched together mm-hmm. so you know you've got that um with in regards to sylvanas though like as a leader she's kind of progressed a little bit differently um over the years since wrath of the witch king you know it's 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 kind of gone from um you know wanting to make the best life for the forsaken like with garrosh she was afraid that garrosh was just going to use them as a meat shield uh with that short story edge of night or something Mm -hmm. um you know and then she becomes war chief of the horde after Vol'jin is killed and isn't necessarily like she she doesn't have a drastic change in her character in legion um like she she still is kind of a good person but definitely not a great person well she's very much how she was since cataclysm i mean everything before cataclysm was to kill arthas right everything was to kill arthas and once arthas was dead then what is there it's like you said in that same short story she tried to end her life because there was nothing left all she had was vengeance and then now she realizes nothing left after that so coming back and trying to use the Forsaken as a means of protecting herself, um, you know, try, trying to keep them alive, trying to keep Forsaken going because she doesn't want to die, obviously. Um, understandable. I mean, that's a, it's a character change. It's fine. Um, I've never had really a problem with the way for, uh, Sylvanas has been written. I mean, if you if you look at everything from like a, a linear fashion, or like how like you know, event to event to event to event, it makes sense where we are. Uh, my problem with uh, Sylvanas and, and the Forsaken in general is just how poorly they are written. Um, well, I, I just said I like the linear, but I think poorly written. Um, how do I explain <laughs> this? Um, Blizzard lies a lot, and it's never been more so than Battle for Azeroth, where how every so? time, yeah, the tree burning, you know, right before we, we knew that the tree was going to burn down, we knew that Teldrassil was going to burn. Uh, we didn't know exactly how. Everybody was like, well, Sylvanas is going to burn the tree down. And they're like, I don't know. I think you'll be surprised. And then she just burns the tree down. In fact, she doesn't just burn the tree down. She burns it down in a in a peak of just... Like rage. <laughs> Not even rage. She's just like... So she's talking to, was it Dawn Feather? I forget. Sunbloom? Oh, yeah. The, the night elf. elf. Yeah, um, right. She- yeah, yeah, and rage probably isn't the right word there. It's more like uh, being petty, I suppose. It, it, in a in a fit of pettiness, she yeah genocides the night elves. <laughs> it's just like, says like, "Oh, you think that you can resist me because you have hope? Watch this, bitch." I mean, I seriously, she could have done that Z finger snap thing and been like, "You got burned," you know, right after doing it, and then it would have been like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, this is Blizzard writing." Yeah, right. Oh, I forgot that this is like basically the glam metal of fantasy. <laughs> it's rule of cool, right? It's like, yeah, this exactly. is great. Yeah. I love yeah. having one less city to go to per faction. That's great. Yeah. No, that's kind of funny that you bring that up. Blizzard definitely was like, oh, we can still surprise you as writers. And nope. then everybody was like, so you're you're not going to have Sylvanas just burn down the tree just because? No. You know, like, oh, okay. No. Because <laughs> that's what it's she like, did. <laughs> the, that Mark Wahlberg, the happening. What? No, meme. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. 
it's just and they're talking about how it's like oh she's not going to be garage and then it's like have you have you been looking at some of these maybe probably fake leaks that have been coming out about the next patches and the next couple expansions and all that I saw something about, like, the Shadowlands. I don't know what the fuck that is. I fucking hope to God they don't do the Shadowlands, because the only reason they'd be doing the Shadowlands is to try to do, like, some kind of uh, redemption thing for Sylvanas to be like, hey, you know, uh, Sylvanas was right. Here's what, Sylvanas did all this stuff for the greater good. You know, like, she's a fucking Tau or something. I Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they did... Like, if they made her, like, the next Kerrigan. Like, are you familiar with the StarCraft yeah, story? but that wasn't a very good story either. <laughs> well, so that's the problem. StarCraft was a great story at the beginning. Yeah. But then by the end, I mean, StarCraft 2, you know, had its ups and downs, but the way mm-hmm. that it ended, not good. Well, Kerrigan, um, StarCraft 1, fantastic. Exactly. Kerrigan, right. StarCraft 2, mm. <laughs> mm. Like... It's 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 like they, and it's the same thing with Warcraft three and Starcraft one. They probably had and like this this was probably like you know peak Metzen writing. Like it yeah. was good. You know he he wasn't just uh he wasn't just a world builder, but he was good with the storytelling. You know there was a lot of like good stuff there. Um, and then it's like they just switched teams between like Cataclysm really, I guess, and then Starcraft two came out around the same time actually they just had new minds in there trying to you know pick up where the old people left off and it kind of worked but not not really you know so activision bought out blizzard in 2008 oh yeah that's right that did happen hmm yep Yep. so yeah that was um i mean that was uh wrath of the lich king so i guess it would make sense that following that was the writing kind of took a yeah it took a turn i mean mr pandaria was good but you know whatever yeah uh, uh, uh yeah i i mean i remember leveling through mr pandaria doing stuff i got a bunch of the challenge mode stuff um because i, I like mr pandaria there are a lot of people who didn't like it for whatever reason i think i think people didn't like miss because the aesthetic was a little different you know it was more kind of asiany panda stuff that they didn't really like um, but the actual story and like playing through the game and like like the gameplay, the questing, the, the how the game worked was great. Mm. No, I mean, and the story was good too because yeah, it starts yeah. off, and I remember what people were saying, um, or what you know, people when they were talking about it was just like it feels like people live in Pandaria. Mm. You know, that's something that they didn't experience so much in Cataclysm. Like, everything was very much like, you know, this is a zone, and you go here, then here, then here, then here, and there's no reason to come back once it's over. In Pandaria, like, there was a lot of stuff there that you probably didn't run into, either because you didn't do the quest for it or because there wasn't a quest for it. Um, And it just felt like a a lived-in place. And on top of it, the story was good. The Shah was a unique enemy. Um, You know, the faction war was well done. Um... You know, I'd say there are a couple of missed opportunities, though. I mean, honestly, uh, there, there's all hindsight is always twenty twenty. So looking back on how the expansion went, there's a few things where I wish they would have done more with. Like um, we talked earlier about how Death Knights have to basically feed on misery and pain. What what would happen if a Death Knight showed up and, and there was like Shaw everywhere? Like how would a Shaw react to a Death Knight, who's basically a walking engine of death and misery? <laughs> sure. Who knows? I mean. It's kind of disappointing that the Shah isn't. I mean, obviously they don't want to overdo it, but that we don't well, see Shah anywhere else. Well, the Shah are all limited to Pandaria because of the um, the, yeah, the, the old, old god. god was killed there. 
So they, they can't really be anywhere else. Uh, unless you bring their heart to Orgrimmar and kind of do your Sailor Moon transformation dance and turn into <laughs> Super Shaw Garage. <laughs> yeah, I guess the Shaw can come out then. But yeah, whatever happened to the heart of your Sarge? Uh, I think he ate it. He ate it? I don't know if he ate it, ate it, but like, I think after he absorbed the power, it shriveled up. Oh, it might, okay. it's probably in a book that I haven't read, I'll be honest. Yeah. What is it? The The prisoner book where Garrus is a prisoner? War Crimes. War Crimes, yeah, I haven't read that. It might be in there. It yeah. might have been taken to the, the White Tiger Temple. Maybe. All right. Anyways. Who knows? Maybe Blizzard just fucking forgot about it. Maybe it'll show up next expansion. We're we're in the Shadowlands, and all of a sudden, there's oh, we hear the heartbeat. And it's like, you, ooh. You guys thought the Shah were done. Well, here's the Shah of anger again, bitch. I think it was pride. <laughs> yeah, pride. Well, you know, the anger one is the world boss, but. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Sylvanas will task us with going get. Yeah, we'll we'll all merge into one faction who's led by Sylvanas in the Shadowlands, and we'll go and we'll find a lot all the old bad guys that we fought back in the day, and we'll recruit them to our side to fight the Void because the Void is just that bad, even though we didn't fucking hear about it until two expansions ago. Right, and so that's going to be the new expansion. I don't know. I hope not. It's not going to matter. I'm going to be still playing classic. Okay, so that's interesting. I mean, talking about Warcraft the game. You know, what's your your normal content preference with WoW? Um, if I'm playing retail, I'm usually going through old stuff and trying to get transmog, um, uh, trying to get things. You know, very much a collector when it comes to that, um, because I don't really see the point in raiding right now. I mean, raiding, from what I've seen, is probably the best it's ever been, but. All that's going to be for not when the next expansion comes out. So I don't really feel like doing it. There was a time I've, I've basically I've played WoW since vanilla, so I've basically done everything. But the the, the one thing that's kept me going with World of Warcraft is role play. So if I'm online, I'm usually role playing. Um, okay. If I'm not, if nobody's on, then I'm going through Molten Core trying to get the Hand of Ragnaros, um, or trying to get my second fucking binding. Or trying to get my other glaive, you know, trying to get all that stuff. Um, if I'm playing WoW to have fun, I'm playing Classic. <laughs> okay, so why is Classic WoW so much better? I like. I'm sure I know the answer, but I want to know your reason for it. Why is Classic WoW so much better than BFA right now? Well, I've talked to a few people about this. Um, I don't know if you're around for it, but Zenotra, the, they used to be in the South Three Watch. Uh, I've known Zeno since. Uh, that Worgen Guild I talked about. Um, and he's never played... He's only played since Miss. Uh, he wasn't even around for Cataclysm. So he's never experienced Vanilla WoW ever. And he's leveling an Undead Rogue right now. And he says uh, verbatim, uh, Classic WoW is more fun than it has any right to be. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like, it has no no real quality of life anything. Um like there's no easy way to do anything in that game and that is the draw it's like anytime i do something in wow classic i feel like i fucking earned it every level i get is an achievement you know um uh did you play during vanilla i thought uh, i remember you saying something you didn't play until like um when did you play no i i played in vanilla but i was just young so i didn't hit level cap oh, okay. uh, you, you might be thinking of cast cast didn't start playing until like cataclysm 
Oh uh, yeah, I get you and Cass uh, confused all the time because you're goblins and I'm racist. I mean, um, uh, yeah, that's that's really stupid. Me and Cass <laughs> are very different people. <laughs> but but go on, go on. No, but I, I do remember you saying that you didn't play vanilla, but so much. Right. Um, but uh, any, it used to be when you played WoW in vanilla, you can bring Crusade. Whenever you leveled, you know it was an achievement. You would say "ding" in your guild, and everybody would congratulate you because. Getting a level is fucking hard. You know, you have to, to mm-hmm. grind, you have to find quests, you have to find a group, you have to get these things. The point of the game was basically to level, and then once you got the end game, that was a cherry on top that you could enjoy with your friends that you've uh, been with as you leveled. Now, no one even cares. Like, you, you level to, like, you're level 120, and no one gives a shit. But in Classic, I'm level 36, and people are fucking impressed. Right. <laughs> Well, right, because there's a huge time commitment. And, you know, I mean, also remember, though, that with Classic, it's only been out for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the amount of time that you've had to play has been a little limited. So, yeah, to be level 36, and yeah, there's obviously people who are level 60 right now. Yeah. But fuck those people, you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, mean, I, played, I played super hard for the week it came out. I took a week off of work, and I just kind of just went real hard at it and i got to 35 and i i haven't played in like two weeks i, I just started playing again yesterday and i got to 36 um okay it, so it, again I, even yesterday first time been on two weeks logged in was in Terran mill was going to do quest found some guys who were just running around doing the same quest i was uh we all teamed up and we all started completing other quests around us uh we were talking the whole time we were, were working together you know once one of us got all of our, our stuff like all our drops we didn't just leave we, we stuck together until everybody got all their stuff and then we made it back to terminal turned on our quest and that was it you know and legion battle for azeroth you just click a button you're in a group you do your thing when you're done you leave abandon everybody else go to your own new fresh phase or wherever you are and then you'll never see those fucking people again um I regularly see people that I play with all the time on classic. And that is such a great experience to have again, where you can just be running around, see somebody you, you ran a dungeon with and kind of wave at them or join a group with them and, and go from there. You don't, you haven't had that in wow. in so long. Like, wow. Wow. is an MMO, but not an MMO RPG. Wow. Classic is an MMO RPG. I think I can agree with that. And yeah, for the sake of convenience, you know, uh, BFA and you know the past expansions have taken away a lot of what made Warcraft popular in the first place. And it's so interesting to me. I mean, you know, a lot of people were hoping that Classic would fail, and it's just like, why? You I know, don't, yeah, some people just don't want people to have things. Yeah, it's obviously fun. You know, and it's probably because for years, you know, people who didn't play vanilla were being told by other people, oh, vanilla was the best. You don't know what real world of Warcraft is like. Everything was better in vanilla, blah, 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 blah. You know, and so, like, from maybe they're just, you know, upset over that. But then it's just like you have this opportunity to experience it and see what it was and, you know, have these moments uh, with community and, um, you know, kind of. Cr- like you're not some like super uh, entitled special person to begin with, like right off the bat uh, with, with heirlooms and amounts and all this shit. Um, and you know, professions matter and, and you can die <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like, which is super inconvenient. Oh, Dude, I totally forgot 
that elementals and constructs are immune to like bleed damage. And I'm the poisons. Yeah, and poisons. I'm leveling a warrior right now, so anytime I have to fucking fight a, an elemental or a construct, I basically have to like, I have to pre-buff, I have to eat, I have to position myself, I have to wait for them to get to the right spot, because if I hit them and they draw a friend, or I'm not doing as much DPS as I can, I'm gonna die. Yeah, fucked. Yeah. There's those steam elementals and the thousand needles, I fucking tried to kill one like six times, it killed me six times in a row. <laughs> I haven't ran into those yet. My, um... I started leveling a hunter on the the RP server, and I got into level twenty. Kind of got bored with it, so I made a character because my brother's playing too, and so I made a character on his realm who is a warrior. I've gotten to like level eleven so far, and it's been fun. Um, so we'll see how far I make it with that. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it that far into classic WoW just because my commitment to so many different games, like kind of. It is is difficult like right now i'm going through um through fire emblem the new fire emblem game that just came out um you know i i did just level up a warrior in regular wow and then you know there's also games on the horizon that i'm looking forward to playing so like i'm not trying to commit long term to classic wow if you know what i mean no but i understand I can, it, but it's I a, can, it is a time sink yeah but i can definitely understand why people are excited about it and why they're still playing it and i th- if if blizzard would look at that and then take a look at like you know bfa right now and say like wow we we need to get a lot of these things back into the game i think that's probably the best thing that everybody could get out of classic i don't think it's going to happen though i really don't yeah. i think i th- and i don't think it should happen i'll be honest because why not um, well i don't i i think i said this before where um uh, WoW has changed so much now they would have to be basically a completely different game if they wanted to go back to that I don't think they could slowly start introducing stuff you know back into WoW how it used to be Um, I think people have gotten used to the quality of life and the ease of uh, how the game is played that if you just started changing stuff back to how it used to be they would just not play Um, my example I would use for this is in Cataclysm uh, in dungeons, you they had designed the dungeons in Cataclysm to be able to, for people to go through there and have to use like uh, crowd control, you know, to, to sheep people, to trap people, to sap people, just how it used to be back in Classic WoW. Well, mm-hmm. people pitched a fit over it. You know, they couldn't run through uh, a heroic uh, with under like ten minutes. They had to actually think, and so they dumbed down the dungeons again. They made it so that you didn't have to do that again, and people just kept on going, and th- that's how it's been ever since. Um, the only times they've changed that is like Miss and Pandaria with the challenge mode stuff where it's like, hey, here is a souped up version. I think that's why Mythics exist at all right now. It's because they mm. have a little bit of that there, but for the average player, they're not going to want to do that. So sure. I don't think it's going to be a thing. I mean, not to mention all the catch-up gear. Like, uh, uh, I, I didn't play Magora for a long time in BFA, and I finally came back, and I got to, to max level, and I got up to like 400 item level like in a weekend and that's like that's unheard of back in classic it's like if they tried to introduce how classic used to be where it took forever to get gear and you know it, it was weird how gear used to be classic is actually really bad in a lot of ways but it kind of makes it more fun because of that like the itemization is weird in there like there's a shield that has plus shadow damage on it and nobody uses a shield that deals to shadow damage right <laughs> it's but it makes it more fun. Again, going back to what I was saying before, 
Uh, WoW Classic is a massive multiplayer online role-playing game. There's a lot of role-playing aspects in it, you know, including elementals not being able to bleed because why the fuck would an elemental bleed? Why the fuck would an elemental like be susceptible to poison? That doesn't make any sense. Um, but you know, the gear itemization wasn't great for a lot of things. A lot of stuff had odd stats on it that didn't make any sense. Which is how you can have like a, a pre-raid best in slot item be from like a level forty dungeon for a certain class. Like that's ridiculous. You'd never hear of that happening in BFA. Um, and that will never happen again. But again, that's kind of the stuff that makes Cloud Classic fun, trying to figure this stuff out. Um, right. I don't know if it would ever come back. I really don't think they're going to bring any of this. I don't think they're going to slowly over time reintroduce classic elements into retail. Blizzard kind of has um, stuck to their guns on some of that stuff, though. Like, let's look at flying as an example. Um, Warlords of Draenor. You know, I think Blizzard originally they they did eventually cave, but at the end, like they they didn't add flying in until like literally for a year, people were like, "You need to add in flying, you need to add in flying," and then they had the community managers on the forums like, "Draenor was not built to be flied in." Um, you know, we didn't build it that way, so it's not going to happen. And then you know, I think, like I said, eventually they did cave, but I think they are they are willing to take those steps to you know um limit things perhaps that you've had in the past to take away those quality of life changes to make things more difficult or to bring about like um that feeling that you're talking about i mean i think that warlords of drainer honest uh, drainer was honestly their attempt at doing that because you know without flying and i don't know i mean with the, with the Asheran and stuff, they were trying to bring the community back together. I think Wad succeeded in a lot of things. Uh, Wad succeeded. The leveling in Warlords of Draenor was fantastic. I, I love leveling through Wad. The, the story for Wad, how we got to the story to Wad was not very good. Uh, the ending of Wad was not very good, but the stuff in between was good. Um, where they failed was that you say they're trying to bring the community together, but then they separate everybody in the garrisons. You know, That's if, true. If it, if garrisons didn't exist, I think WoW would have been, excuse me, WOD would have been uh, a lot better received. Um, also, if they decided to do any kind of in-game content, like endgame at all, <laughs> beyond like the three raids, uh, mm. that probably would have helped them as well. Um, yeah. When you look at like the stuff they were planning to do with WOD and how they basically scrapped half of it and we didn't get any of that stuff, it, it will it'll right. make your, it'll make you upset. Well, definitely. I think that they, they <laughs> halfway through, they were just like, "Oh, we fucked up here." So let's just let's end this one as quick as possible. Raid. There was gonna be a yeah. raid in Shatrath. You know well, how I remember a lot of people. Yeah, and a lot of people were upset that you couldn't go in there to begin with. It's just like, what do you mean I can't go in the fucking Shatrath? I had an entire. Like, why is it blocked off? I did nothing but walk around Shatrath, and now I can't enter old Shatrath. Like, are you kidding me? So like, seriously, yeah. it's like it's like. Oh, I don't even know how you could compare it to anything else. Like that's just so like it's so ass backwards and stupid that only Blizzard could do it. Yeah. Well, whether or not Warcraft will take anything away from Classic is yet to be seen. Uh, I'm hopeful, but you know it is Blizzard that we're talking about here, so we'll we'll find out. Anyways, Magora, I um yeah we've been we've been yakking for a good amount of time here, so I was thinking why don't we uh 
test your lore knowledge and uh, see if oh, you can become, you know, the first person to pass the Mythic Plus feat of strength. Oh boy, let's see as we do here. So, I kind of had these questions more are more undead themed um, okay. because I wasn't like you know that question when I asked you earlier. Do you identify more with you know the undead or the orcs? And you said the orcs. I was like, oh okay. Um, I also didn't really have many orc questions, <laughs> so okay. uh, you know these these forsaken ones are fresh and new and uh, difficult enough. So we'll find out. I enjoy the forsaken more than I enjoy orcs. I've, I've typically been a forsaken fan more than anything else oh okay excellent all right well then what we'll do is we'll start off with uh we'll start off with the hardest question that i have here then oh boy here here's where i'm gonna be found out as a failure i'm gonna have my second shame and then i'm just gonna be waiting for a rune blade to come through my back yeah so yeah question one <clears throat> the four horsemen are a common motif in regards to undead lore. Uh, they're a, a boss encounter in Naxxramas, their followers in Acherus, and sometimes with Forsaken Guilds. I don't know if you've been in many. I'm assuming so. Uh, but sometimes with Forsaken Guilds, I've seen you know the four horsemen be officer positions. Um, they are a direct allusion to the Book of Revelations in the Bible. I'm not very religious, so you know, I don't know much about the context, but I do know that the four horsemen each represent something different, uh, both in the Bible and maybe a little bit in the world of Warcraft. Can you name the four domains that these horsemen are meant to represent? Uh, it is war, pestilence, death, and I think famine. Very good. Yeah, war, uh, conquest, and pestilence. Yeah, famine and death. So, yeah, I kind of like that because, first of all, it's, it's, a, it's a cool allusion to the Bible. Like, that's like one of the cool things in there. Um, cool Bible questions. Yeah, right. Like, you know, this is, this is, uh, this is Sunday, Sunday school, I suppose. Right. <laughs> but, we should have delayed uh, this yeah. tomorrow. We should have done that. Yeah. Yeah. Today's <laughs> Saturday for everybody listening. <laughs> We're recording this on a Saturday. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's one of the cool things. And what's that? I'm <laughs> saying it's your uh, weekly dose of behind the scenes action. Uh, right. After you watch podcasts, we film on a Saturday oh. or record. Yeah. But um, just doing the quests, raising the four horsemen again about the the Death Knight honor hall or uh, class hall, you know, just like talking to Darian and him being like, you know, the horde is gonna hate us, but we have to do it. We have to raise Nazgrim from the dead, you know. And then you just go out there, and he's just like, "Why did you raise me?" You know, yeah. I don't know. It's good. Anyways, moving on. So everybody's favorite Forsaken character, uh, Lillian Voss is someone who we first meet in Cataclysm, in Death Knell. Um, and we meet her before she's even accepted her own condition. We have to show her uh, who she is in a mirror. We kind of help her on her quest to find her own identity. And in doing so, we cross blades with the undead 
with the Scarlet Crusade, and even with her father. What is Lillian's father's name? Is it, and this is multiple choice, so I can Okay, thank God. (laughs) Yeah. So, is it A, Benedictus, B, Azillian, C, Pius, or D, Gregory? Mm, Can you go one more time? Sure. A, Benedictus. B, Isilian. And I don't know if I'm saying that that right. It might be Isilian or something, but I'm okay. Isilian because he, um, it's spelled I-S-I-L-L-I-E-N or something. Okay. Not that you should Google it, but... Um, I'm not Googling anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, C, Pius, or D, Gregory. There's another person with his name, but I think it's like a I think it's like a Scarlet Crusade thing. I want to say Benedictus. It is a Benedictus. Very good. Uh, thank you. Yeah, Benedictus. I I threw some other Pope names in there, like Pius and Gregory, to throw you off. We're, we've got a yeah. lot of Bible allusions today. I was very much about to say the one that you had spelled because I was like, mm, would he be spelling it if it wasn't it? <laughs> But then Azillian I was like, That's is the That's the trap. He's spelling it. It's got to be another one. Yeah. Um Azillian is a Scarlet Crusade member, but he's he's some priest elsewhere or he's like he, the torturer. Isn't he the guy that Okay, he's a torturer. I don't know. Um let me look it up. Is he the guy that's like the secret boss? Grand Inquisitor Azillian is in the western plague lands he was the spiritual heart of the scarlet crusade uh oh is he one of the guys you kill uh in the silver hand for yes oh wait no he was removed in cataclysm he must have been okay i think he might have been like the rogue guy for next ramus no no that's not who he was oh um, well, there goes the fetus trap. Oh, you know what? No, he's the guy who kills uh, Fordring son. Oh. Yeah, let's see. Avent- um, Taylor well, and Fordring realized how far. Yeah. That's Paladin more. I don't know Paladin more. <laughs> right. That's my yeah, excuse. When, when, when Taylor and Fordring was leaving Hearth Glen, Azillian met him on the road and, and killed him. Wow. Okay. I mean, um, I remember that quest. I just don't remember that name. Well, right. It was obviously removed in in Cataclysm, so maybe you'll see it in in Classic. Can't wait. Already found a blood of heroes and died to the ghost. There you go. All right, so we, we do have a Scarlet lore question here just because they're kind of related to the undead, so sorry in advance. Okay. Um, in the Scarlet Hall of Champions... A number of heroes, lost or fallen, have statues erected in their honor. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, where Herod was. Yes, where Herod was. Yeah. Or Herod, however you say it. Lots of Bible quotes here. Uh, among them are humans, elves, and even a dwarf. However, which of these heroes' plaques 
you know, how they have the plaques below them. Uh, which of the hero's plaques implies that this hero could still be alive? Is it A, Falari Swift Arrow? Is it B, Orman of Stromgard? Or C, Valia Twin Blades? Or D, Farron Marcus? Mm. I think I think it's the elf. I think it's Twin Blades. Well, there's two elves. There's Falari, Swift Arrow, and then there's oh. Valia, Twin Blades. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm still Not that I'm... I'm going to stick with Twin Blades. I'm going to stick with Twin Blades. That answer is correct. Correct. It is Valia Twin Blades. I don't think that she is actually mentioned anywhere else in the game. Like most of these guys, don't have any illusions elsewhere. Well, Blizzard forgets. Yeah, but she's just. Yeah, she's just there. She was. Her current condition is unknown, but she was last seen deep in the Eastern Plaguelands. That's that's like all there is to her. So maybe she'll maybe she'll pop up later. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> kind of late. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know. Maybe in the uh, maybe in the Shadowlands we'll see her. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Maybe top sail. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. God willing, we see Twin Blades in the Shadowlands. Right. I've been waiting sixteen years to see Twin Blades in the Shadowlands. Sorry. Nope. <laughs> you can cut all that out. You can cut all that out. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope. We're keeping that one. Uh, all right. All right. So question number four. Okay. <clears throat> the Death Knights of Acherus is a book that, surprise, can be found in Acherus. Within its pages, a roster of Acherus's Death Knights can be found. Every on- Every entry that has or every entry has a knight's name their status and a quick comment about them what is the comment that is left for the player is it a destructive b this name of the the name of this death knight was found in violation of common scourge decency and they were struck down by the lich king <laughs> was it c Needs more cowbell? It's cowbell. It's cowbell. It's 100% cowbell. I've been through it too many times. It's cowbell. Yeah, you know that one? Yeah. (laughs) I figured you would, but... Yeah, that's a... I I was flipping through it, and I was just like, oh, this is maybe a little too easy, but... (laughs) I fucking love that book. Needs more fucking cowbell. I tell you, God, like... Books in WoW, like in-game books, used to give you so much lore and give you so many ideas about how things work. Like that book yeah. right there was like, I mean, the whole reason I was talking about how like, you know, when the, when a Death Knight was risen and shown like it has more emotion, you know, than it should have and it's killed. You, you find all that out in that book. You read in there. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, this person like asked where their family was. And so we fucking killed them. Uh, <laughs> we get a scourge. Now. Do you name of Do you know the name of the Death Knight whose name was in violation of the Scourge decency? I'll be honest, I don't. I just remember the cowbell thing because it was funny. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, that Death Knight's name is Harmony, but... Really? Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Right. Who's this fucking bitch? Like, get out of here. What is your name? Harmony. Fuck no. (laughs) That's all it took. Probably was going to be the greatest Death Knight they ever had, but because her name was Harmony... A promising undeath cut short. As is always the case. Yep. All right, Magora. Question number five. Potentially the last question, unless you get it correct, at which point we will move on to the Mythic Plus questions. So, this question is obviously very difficult. Mm -hmm. Question number five. In Silver Pine Forest, Sylvanas uses the power of the Valkyr to show Garrosh how she has solved the plight of the Forsaken. Garrosh isn't very happy about it, but the joke is on him. He died before Sylvanas did. The question is, Magora, there is a consistent number of corpses that Sylvanas raises each time she shows Garrosh with every new player. How many fallen humans does Sylvanas raise with the Valkyr? Is I'm the... definitely going to need multiple choice on this one. <laughs> Is it answer A, 12? Answer B, 15? Answer C, 9? Or answer D, 10? Oh, you fucking son of a bitch. You put 9 and 10 on there. Um... This is like the, uh, which tier armor is that question? Oh, I knew that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, one more time. Could you give it to me one more time? Uh, okay. The options are uh, 12, 9, 15, and 10. Twelve, nine, fifteen, and 10. Well, Mama used to tell me to go big or go home, so I'm going to go with 15. That's going to be my final answer, sir. You motherfucker. (laughs) Am I right? (laughs) Unbelievable, my boy. (laughs) All five questions right. Holy shit. Welcome to episode 10, everybody. I am going to be, like, you know, playing, like, you know, foghorns and shit in the background right now. Just like, yeah, exactly. Oh my god, all five questions. Magora, this is... Christ. You mean, put nine and ten, and I wanted to strangle you, because I was like, I, it's gotta be nine or ten. But then you said nine or ten, and I was like... Oh, which one is it? No. But then I was like, I know I told Top Sale at the beginning of this podcast that I haven't listened to the last couple, but I have listened to a lot of these podcasts, and I've listened to how he does his questions, so it's gotta be the unobvious one. Yeah, there's always a trap. It's always a trap. Yep. The, tra- the t- earlier trap was the two elves, and then there was the other trap where you spelled the name instead of Benedictus. Yep. So, yep. 15, final answer. Okay. Now I'm going to get everything wrong. Now I'm going to get it all wrong. Now well, everything goes downhill from here. I mean, we will definitely see. However, I'm going to have to pause you right there. Um, because I actually haven't written out five more questions. Oh, okay. You just thought <laughs> I was going to fail? That's great. Yep. yep. Thank you. 
no, I assume everybody's going to fail. What? <laughs> and, <laughs> you and haven't I, written any? I haven't written any, no. Oh my uh, god. I've exposed Top Sale on his own podcast. Anyway, thank you everybody for listening to the South Three Watch Podcast. I hope you had a good time. It's been an hour and 32 minutes, uh, and I have conquered Mr. Top Sale. Hope everybody had a good day. Uh, we'll see you next week uh, when we have... Um, me uh, as the host uh, turns out that's the uh, the prize for winning <laughs> I'm taking over the podcast now. and we're back thank you everybody for uh, giving us a brief second there uh, Magora thanks for coming back after that break it's okay <laughs> yes so we are ready uh, with our next set of questions and also excited to delve into the potential prizes Magora that you could possibly earn on this next part of our feat of strength all right could use a washing machine yep so washing machine is not one of the one of the prizes but that's good to know um, do you want to hear the prizes that are available to you or would you rather just be surprised no top sale I think I'd like to hear what the prizes are ahead of time well, then you will be pr pleased to know, Magora. The very first prize that you will get for it, and again, to go over the rules just one more time, these questions give out prizes for every single one that you get right. However, if you were to get question six right, for example, and then you went on to fail question seven, you get nothing. Whereas if you said after question seven, I'm okay with just getting those two items, you get them both and you can walk away. Do you understand the rules? I understand, sir. Yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty easy. I was sure that you understand. I just want to confirm for the audience just so that everybody knows no one's getting cheated here. Us goblins are sometimes accused of these nasty things. Anyways. The very first prize, Magora, that you will get for question number one being, or question number six rather, being answered correctly is a fresh copy, uh, a fresh copy of a Goblin Gentleman's magazine. All right, I could use one of those. My old one got worn out too quickly. Mm, right, they uh, they're easy to go through. Um, the pro the second prize that you would earn for answering question number seven correctly is the well-sought-after Prismatic Crystal. I think that's what they call the item that you can change your appearance. Ooh. You know one of those? Yeah. A very fun item to use in roleplay. And to boost up that item, I will also throw in a stack of the Elixir of Tongues. So not only can you appear to be a human, you can also, con uh, you can also speak with them as well. Alright, I could use more tongues. Yep, more tongues. Uh, prize number three. This one's more general, but I think you might appreciate it. I'll give you the best enchants for your character. Mm, very good. You're talking Being about Classic WoW, right? Nope, I'm talking about on <laughs> Battle for Azeroth. Okay. I'm an, I'm an enchanter on Battle for Azeroth. Uh, so Top Sail's an enchanter? He's an enchanter. I had no idea. All right. Maybe if I don't really that one episode of the podcast. I won't. I don't think I really get into it. It's not really part of his character, okay. um, but I'm an enchanter because that's the best way to make the moolah in my opinion. It's a good, good deal. Yep. 
Now, uh, prize number four is where things really start to pick up here, Megora. If you get question number four correct, I will give you the uh, the Galliwix mount, which is uh, that goblin hovercraft. Ah, uh, yes. But it's it's spelt backwards, so it's like Zuigo. Uh, I'm not even gonna try to say it again. Come on, let's um, try it for the audience. Let's go. Zeolag. Very good. Zeolag. That's that's what it sounds like. Zeolag. Zeolag mount. Yeah. And then of course, if you get all five questions right, Magora, then you will get a WoW token. One free month of WoW could always use it. That's right. So what do you think of these prizes? Well, top sale, like I say, I think a lot of these prizes are pretty good, and uh, I look forward to winning every single one of them, or potentially failing miserably. Um, I say let's go. All right, well, we will find out whether you succeed or sink in this very first trial of the Mythic Plus Feet of Strength. Question number six, Magora. The scimitar of the Sirocco is a weapon that was forged by one of Ramkahen's bronzesmiths. There were four swords in total, and each was meant to represent one of the Jin Lords of the Four Winds. My question to you today is what was the name of the smith who made these famed blades? Was it A. Ajakir B. Irmat, C. Itesh, or D. Atulhet. One more time. Yeah. Uh, so A. Azakir. B. Irmat. C. It's I. Uh, it, Itesh. It's Irmat. It's Irmat. It's Irmat. Wow. Question number six is correct. Magora, you have just oh. earned yourself a Goblin Gentleman's Magazine. Oh, I've needed this for so long. Uh, How did you know that it was Irmat? Cataclysm, I played a Dwarf Shaman, uh, and I focused on uh, archaeology a lot. And uh, I spent a lot of time no, in the room trying to get some stuff out there. So that is the only reason I know that. And if the rest of these are all Cataclysm or post-Cataclysm questions, I'm going to fail. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, excellent job. You've earned yourself a Goblin Gentleman's Magazine. I will mail that to you today. <laughs> All right. How many do I'm you have? Just as a curiosity sake, do you have a lot of those? Oh, no, I have zero, but I will buy one from the auction house. Oh, that's nice. Um, that is if you choose to walk away with that prize. <sighs> it's a very tempting You offer. can. You can proceed to question number seven. I could lock in my answer. I could or walk you could away lock in your answer. with one of the dirtiest magazines ever made. But I'm going to push on forward. I'm going to go with question number seven. All right. We're locking it in. Question number seven. Silas Darkmoon is the genius mind behind the Darkmoon Fair, an event that has been in Warcraft since vanilla. He's a kind gnome, but has an ogre bodyguard who most certainly is not. What is his ogre bodyguard's name? Is it A. Birth, 
B. Kroll. C. Turok. Or D. Mogor. I don't spend a lot of time at the fair. Um, I'm going to say Burke. Uh, Burke was not one of the answers. Oh, shit. Sorry. Go through them again. Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, there was birth. Birth. That's what like, I meant. Oh, okay. I have to say, Magora, you are really impressing me because birth is the correct answer. Are you shitting me? <laughs> no. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> All right. You have just earned yourself a prismatic crystal and... The elixir of tongues. I don't have either of those. So that's nice. Very good. I mean, the the elixir of tongues is a, a very useful saying. Uh, very thing. good. You know, especially when you're you're PvPing and you want people to know that you're you're a winning. Dick, a huge ass. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> or you can just be a mage. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or you can be a mage. Um, so wow. The Prismatic Crystal and the Elixir of Tongues, all for getting question seven right. Magora, we just need to take a moment to appreciate that you are the first person to ever get it this far into the Mythic Plus feat of strength. And so if you get this next question wrong, even if you lose all of your prizes, even if you don't get the WoW token, you'll still go down as history as the first person to get all seven questions, or get this far, rather, into the Mythic Plus. Well, top sale, I have to say I'm honored to be here on episode number 10 of the South Theory Watch podcast, and uh, being able to participate in this uh, Feet of Strength questionnaire you've got here uh, is, is an honor enough in itself. Well, <clears throat> the, the only th other thing that we need to know, the only other thing that we need to know, Magora, is whether or not you are going to push on to question number eight. That's the enchant one, right? Yep. Is it worth it for you to get the enchantment? I could always use enchants. On BFA, not classic. Well, here's the thing. It's probably going to last me forever because I don't know if I'm going to go back. So <laughs> I went ahead. So you'll definitely get a use out of it. You definitely get a use of it. Um, well, it's just like Mama said, keep going. Be, go big, go home. You know, make sure you get uh, everything right or you just go, go down and try it. Yeah, Mama and the good thing is... Well, right, but you know, it, it sounds nice with the uh, with the country drawl. What are you talking? About? Um, and the nice thing is that you're a death knight, so I don't even have to give you a weapon enchant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why you put it on there, you cheapskate! No. <laughs> <laughs> I want another magazine on top of the other one if I win it. Then. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> two magazines. Uh, okay, all right. Question number eight. Okay. <clears throat> Caldragos was a blue dragon that was once referred to as the Dread Worm. Worm. It is implied that this dragon was killed years ago by a group of adventurers. The records aren't sure. What they are sure of is, however, that the three of the four three of the four adventurers who fought this dragon died while battling. Which one of them survived? Is it A. Horus Kilcrow B. The Shadow Priest Anund Anund C. 
Tunadil the Redeemer? Or D, Coral, a person who actually didn't have a title? Knowing Blizzard, a nude is too much of a joke name. Well, that could so be it's... the answer. Nah, hold on. Well, right. I haven't answered yet. I haven't answered okay, yet. Okay, okay. Just walking through them. Um, Tom Shell, this may be the end of me, but I'm going to go D. Agor, you're a motherfucker, you know that? Is it right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I'm well, going to log into WoW right now and get those uh... <laughs> get those sweet, sweet enchants. Yeah, they just mail them to me. It'll be fine. I'll pick them up in a year. All right. This is a question that uh, has its lore origins in the Wrath of the Lich King, so you might very well get it. Uh, during the purification of Queldalar... The player and a number of elves are present at the Sunwell to witness the resurgence of the Fane Blade wielded by an elven hero. Lorthamar Theron, Grand Magister Romoth, and Lady Liadrin are all present to witness this event. However, a high elf is, is present as well. Which of the following high elves had this most esteemed honor? Is it A, Varisa Windrunner, B, Thalorian Dawnseeker, C, Arik Sunchaser, or D, Belloc Brightblade? I'm torn. Um... I'm going to say B, Dawnseeker. Thalorian Dawnseeker? Yes. Thalorian Dawnseeker, Magora, was actually the wielder of Quel'Dalar. That's what I remember but, then. It was Verisa then. Uh, it was actually Arik Sunchaser. Really? Who the fuck is that? Um, He is... Well, <laughs> he was the guy present. Uh, but he That's was... That's <laughs> No, he was uh, he was an NPC in the Illyrian stronghold in Outland, okay. and so he was the guy who was watching over there until um, Illyria came back. Obviously, the Illyrian stronghold. Gotcha. Um, so he is the High Elthorian Dawnseeker was the wielder. Verisa was the leader of the Silver Covenant, mm -hmm. and and Belloc Brightblade is actually a Blood Elf, but. I threw that one in there because yeah, I knew that that guy was a blood elf. God damn! All right, so all right, eight questions, no nine or ten though. No nine or ten. Do you want to give question ten a shot since I came up with it? Uh, I tell you what, let's go for it. All right, I'll make a deal with you since you've been such a sport and stuck uh, with me through those breaks. If you get question ten correct, then I will give you the prizes that you earned up until. Uh, not getting question nine right. Okay, up until so eight. Like, yeah, up so up eight. until eight. All right. And to remind everybody, even though the break for you guys wasn't that long, 
uh, <laughs> those rewards were uh, two Goblin Gentleman magazines, a prismatic crystal, a stack of the tongue or elixir of tongues, and the best enchants that I can give Magora. All right. Question ten. World trees are ancient, massive trees connected to the Emerald Dream, and are are of great value to night elves and probably some other wildlife. It seems like there are five in total, though only four have names. Those being Teldrassil, Nordrassil, Andrassil, and Shaladrassil, or Shaladrassil however you say that but those names in Darnassian mean something else in common tongue or they translate into something else in the common tongue the fifth tree we won't worry about that one is not named it's thought to be in the emerald dream but we're not we don't know for sure so of those four world trees which of them has the name that translates into the crown of the heavens in the common tongue. Is it A. Teldrassil B. Nordrassil C. Andrassil or D. Shaladrassil Again, we're looking for the one that Oh, go ahead. Sounds like it. Sorry, I'm just I'm running through them in my head, trying to I'm remembering where they all are in game, and trying to remember if I remember any quests around it that said something like that. Um, yeah, we're looking for the one that translates into the crown of the heavens. Uh, I'm gonna say Nordrasil. Nordrasil is correct, Magora. Very good. All right. Damn, if I just... Ah, all right, cool. So close. Nine out of ten. Thankfully, though, still a winner today. All right. Still coming away from this one with a victory in hand. The first person on this podcast to ever get through nine out of ten questions and also come away with a reward. Probably the only person because... You know, going forward, I'm going to not shoot myself in the foot and probably have the questions ready to go beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, only person to ever get 9 out of 10 right and still get to get away with their their prizes. Well, Top Sale, I'm happy to have been here. I'm happy to be uh, participating in these uh, challenges and, and questions you've uh, provided here. Um, I'm happy to be the 10th member, the 10th guest, technically, on the South Korea Watch podcast. Um glad uh, we had a uh, few night of firsts here with me i am very happy about that too magora and i hope that you will consider joining me again uh, despite all the hiccups that we had um and for those listening i hope that you will join us again too uh, obviously this was a, a great episode here and i hope that everybody at home especially those who are around the world uh enjoyed this uh this 10th episode here and that you'll join us next time on the south free watch podcast bye goodbye see you bye